Welcome to season five of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, refreshing and captivating interviews with sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. From Mike Greenberg to Ryan Dempster, Dan McNeil to Sarah Kustak, they reveal entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories some you've never heard before. I'm your host, George Hoffman, and please follow or subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is proudly sponsored by Vienna Beef, home of the Chicago hot dog and an institution since 1893. Find them at ViennaBeef.com. And by Dynamic Manufacturing, awarded the General Motors Supplier of the Year 23 times. They can be found at DynamicManufacturingInc.com. And by BetUS, America's favorite sports book. Check them out at BetUS.com. This week, we feature part two with banished broadcaster Tom Brenneman. The guy who's considered to be the leading voice of the LGBT community here in, in Cincinnati is a big executive with Johnson & Johnson, a guy named uh, Ryan Messer. Two days after I said what I said, he wrote a letter to the editor in the Cincinnati Inquirer that Tom Brenneman should not be fired. Uh, there is room for growth here in so many areas and a great opportunity for him, for the gay community, for the Reds, for our society. Tom Brenneman continues to attempt a comeback after making an anti-gay slur on an open mic during a commercial break sidelined his career. Thus far, he's not been successful, but it hasn't stopped him from telling his story. In episode two, Brenneman wonders why his attempts to resurrect his career have fallen on deaf ears. But he also discusses his love of football, reminisces about his relationship with the legendary Harry Carey and Ron Santo, and of course, his dad, Marty Brenneman, the longtime voice of the Cincinnati Reds who retired in 2019. Back in the early 90s, you got a big break when you were named one of the voices of the Chicago Cubs and worked alongside two characters, and I mean characters, in Harry Carey and Ron Sano. So tell me a story yep. or two, I don't know, about working with Harry, and did he ever take you on the town, no matter which town it was in? Well, I used to go on the town with Harry all the time because oh boy. You know, I was single, and, and I was only 26 years old when I got that job. And you're right, George. I mean, that was the biggest single break of my career. I mean, there were a lot of other things that came along after that, but that was the one that, that you know, you're on a superstation. There are people that are able to, to listen to you and see your work and, and make a decision if maybe that's something, you know, they'd want you to come to their company and do that kind of work. Cup band can forget that game. Certainly the game that put Ryan Sandberg on the map nationally in Major League Baseball. We all know about his Hall of Fame career that just came to an end during this week. Well, 1984, this winter, we had a chance to catch up with a lot of the players from that magical season. Strangely enough, here we are in San Diego where it came to an end during the national. I was really close with my grandfather, my dad's dad, and I worked every summer as a kid um, where my grandparents lived down in North Carolina. And my grandfather had died the year before I got the Cub job. And in spring training, when I first started talking to Harry, uh, I had shared that with him. And, you know, look, he didn't have any of his kids or grandkids in, in the Chicago area. You know, Chip had grown up in um, St. Louis and, 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 you know, was off and doing his thing in his career. And, and of course, Skip was down there in Atlanta and, and so Harry really just sort of took me under his wing. Um, and, you know, everywhere we went on the road after he had his stroke uh, in 84 
and um, or excuse me, in 88, after he had a stroke right. and he came back, the, the Tribune company gave him access 24 seven when the team was on the road to a limousine. And so when the team would, you know, pull into a tarmac, pick the town, Cincinnati, well, sitting out on the tarmac would be, as there is for every team in baseball, even now, there are two buses sitting there. There's a bus for the staff and there's a bus for the players. Well, in those days with the Cubs, the two buses were sitting there, but there was a limousine sitting there on a tarmac waiting for Harry Carey. And, you know, and, and so, I mean, I'm young, I'm single. I love having a beer as much as the next guy, if not three, four or five. I mean, some of the best nights of my life uh, were nights of, you know, San Diego. First time I'll never forget. We went out there and we were playing a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday series. And it was a Monday night game at old Jack Murphy stadium. And, and Harry says to me, he says, all right. He says, uh, Tommy boy, what are you up to after the game tonight? I'm like, nothing, Harry, it's Monday night. He says, well, he says, I got a good friend of mine that, you know, will have us out to his place in La Jolla. So just, you know, meet me down in the limo after the game. And, you know, the thing about Harry was the second the game was over on television, Harry signed off, said, see you later. And off he went. Steve Stone used to do the post game if they even had one on a night game, West Coast game, especially. So Harry would call the last out, say, see you tomorrow and would walk out the door. He'd be in that limo in like four minutes. <laughs> well, I was doing the radio. And so I had to do the entire post game show by myself. And that meant given the the scores of the out-of-town games. That meant running a highlight or two from our game, giving a description of what happened during our game. I mean, it'd be 20, 25, 30 minutes before I'd get down there. And he'd always wait for me. And uh, we'd jump in the limo that night in San Diego. We'd drive all the way over to La Jolla. And uh, I had never been there before in my life. And this restaurant, one of the most beautiful places you've ever seen in your life, uh, stayed open just for Harry and whoever he wanted to bring along. Owner came over, sat at the table, and we were sitting there uh, drinking beer until, you know, 2, 2.30 in the morning. Um, and that happened a lot. Hi, Harry. You know, during the offseason, I'm the mayor of Rush Street. But once the Cubbies take the field, I'm the mayor of Sheffield Avenue. Right, Ray? That's right, Mr. Mayor. And my platform, plenty of Cub victories and plenty of ice-cold Budweiser. Yeah. Now, that's a winning ticket any bleacher bum can vote for. <laughs> can a bum vote twice? Holy cow! Why not? <laughs> Cub fans, this Bud's for you. Now, that's what I call serving the people. Ron Santo. As one man can say about another man, I, I don't think that I, I have ever loved another human being in my life, another man that's not my dad or, you know, my son, uh, more than I loved Ron Santo. Um, he was just such a beautiful man. I, I just, it's hard for me to even talk about him. Um, you know, it still makes me so sad um, that he was not alive. You know, everybody brings up the, the, the Cubs winning the World Series. That one to me is, yeah, I mean, he would have loved every second of it. There's no doubt about it. But I, 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 it just pains me that he was not alive when he got inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame. This is not a sad day. Not at all. This is a very happy day. It's an incredible day for an incredible man, a man who lived an extraordinary life to its fullest. Indeed, he had a wonderful life. You know, one of the most painful days of the year, every single year, 
And you know this, George, because you were one of the guys covering this story. Everybody was. Yes. Yeah. Is every year when the Hall yeah. of Fame vote would come up, you know, the whole groundswell would start in Chicago and in other places, but especially Chicago. Uh, Ron was back on the radio uh, doing the Cubs games after being in, in the private sector and, you know, working in business for a long, long time. Um, and the groundswell would start about, is this a year Ron's going to get in? Is this a year? Is this a year? Is this a year? And, and television trucks and radio crews and personnel would be camped out outside of his home in Arizona uh, because he was out there all winter uh, as he started to get older. And, you know, by then I was living out there doing the Diamondbacks games. I had left the Cubs by then and, and Ron and I had stayed very, very close. Uh, when he had both of his, um, his legs removed, uh, I had gone to see him in the hospital right there in Arizona. And, and um, he would get so excited thinking this was a year, this was a year, this was a year. And then every single year, you know, when the TV crews are breaking down their live trucks and he has to make a statement to guys like you or guys like, you know, uh, 50 others that were you know, covering that story or whatever the case may be, or, or do a conference call with the media. And, and, and he didn't get in, he didn't get in, he didn't get in. It was just, it was, it was brutal. I was there the first time that the vote was up for the Veterans Committee. So this is going to be released, oh, I don't know, one o'clock Arizona time. Now, hours before that, I was called by somebody, I was working for the SCORE radio then, who told me they already knew the results and that Sano didn't get in. Do you want to tell him? And I said, are you effing crazy? I'm going to give him that news. No, I'll sit back and wait. And he was crushed by it. And I'm sitting there going, I already know. And probably other people knew as well, but absolutely. I mean, it's, it's something he really desired. I, I, I know <laughs> there's one, there is one, piece of audio on YouTube that is just absolutely side-splitting. I think everybody should listen to this. And it's a game that you're working with Harry and Ron huh. in which somebody's hair was brought up. And from there, it was absolutely astounding. Number one, I don't know how you kept it together because Harry didn't and neither did Ron. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, what had happened was is... Um... I think we were back home by then, but on the road, I know we were back home, uh, but, but on the road trip, as everybody knows, Ron wore a toupee. And I mean, he took tremendous pride in that toupee about how good it looked and it didn't look <laughs> fake and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, and he was so open and honest about it, would talk about it in front of anybody. He didn't care. He wasn't vain in the regard of, of that. You know, some might say, well, you're vain if you got a hairpiece. Well, you know, he, he, there was nothing vain about him at all. He was just a, such a, God, what a great guy. But anyway, so we were in Houston. We got in really late, really late one night. And, uh, you know, at, at that point, you have a choice when you're with the team, uh, the traveling party. Uh, you can wait around because once the bus gets you to a hotel, you generally have to wait about 30 minutes, 40 minutes for your bags then to come behind you. So you can stay up for your bag and go down the lobby and get it, or you can just go to bed and worry about it the next morning. So I got mine that night, went back up to the room, get a phone call in my room the next morning. There were no cell phones back in those days. 
And it's Santo. It's about like, you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. He says, hey, he says, uh, have you gotten your bag? I said, yeah, I got it last night. Why? He says, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry. I said, what? He says, I, I need to get my bag. And I said, well, I'll go get it for you. No problem. So I, I, you know, throw on some clothes and go downstairs and get his bag and bring it back up to his room. I knock on the door. And I, I think this was all a setup. I never asked him about it, but the Lord knows. He, so he opens the door. Now, everybody knows Ron Santo, Italian uh, in the in the summer months. He gets as dark as anybody, you know, alive. You know, his skin just is <laughs> always tan, really dark, deep tan. And so he opens the door and he doesn't have his toupee on. And his head is as white as a sheet <laughs> and the rest of him is tan. And he looks at my face and must have reacted to the look I had on my face and just starts rolling on the ground. Thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen in his life. So, and it shook me up. I got to be honest. I mean, I'd never seen him without this thing on. And so we get back home a couple of days later. And I'm sitting there before the game. It was just Harry and I in the booth. Ron was out of the booth. And I said to Harry, I said, hey, I said, have you ever asked Ron about his toupee? He says, what? I said, have you ever asked him about his toupee? He said, no, why? I said, because, you know, I said, you know, he loves talking about it. I, I said, and here's what he did to me the other day. So I don't think anything of it. You know, I never think in a million years that Harry's going to bring this up on the air. Off the air, maybe. The only positive I can say is that I do have hair. You have, a, you have a great head of hair. It's more positive than I can say. <laughs> There's well, a bit second. Good hair. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I put it on every day. <laughs> I never knew that until recently. Is that right? Yeah. Thank you. 1-1 one, one delivery. There's <laughs> a pitch rip foul down the right field line. Do you and Arnie buy your hair pieces the same way? <laughs> Tommy, I'm going to take the dare. I got to ask you, Ron, when you go to bed at night with your lovely wife, do you wear your toupee? <laughs> I wear a hat, Harry. I take that off and I put a hat on. It was insane. And Harry thought it was the funniest thing. Uh, he had ever heard in his life. It was, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really a cute piece of audio. It's definitely a classic. You could listen to it a hundred times and laugh just as hard a hundred times. Did you know General Motors 2021 Supplier of the Year is located in Hillside, Illinois? Dynamic Manufacturing not only remanufactures transmissions for the likes of GM, but also as a state-of-the-art facility. Its capabilities include engineering new or existing products, along with manufacturing, machining, logistics, and re-energizing used batteries for electric cars and energy storage systems. I've seen their operation firsthand, and their nearly 1 million square feet of operating space is extremely impressive. Dynamic was founded by the late, great John Partipillo in 1955 and is still family-owned and operated by the next generation. For more information about Dynamic Manufacturing, visit their website at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. Dynamic Manufacturing. Honor the legacy. Pioneer the future. You left the Cubs because the Tribune Company wouldn't allow you to do other things, which I thought was a big loss for the city. But part of that was going to Fox. 
the Big Ten Network. You wound up with the Arizona Diamondbacks. You were part of a World Series team there. Things were going really great for you then. Well, they were. You know, Jerry Colangelo, I owe so much to him. Chicago native, basketball Hall of Famer, uh, owner of the, you know, the, the, the Phoenix Suns, went to Phoenix from Chicago as the youngest general manager in the history of uh, professional sports. Still is, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and went out there and, and put the group together to buy the Diamondbacks. And, you know, he was a big Cub fan and used to watch the Cubs games all the time on WGN out in Phoenix. And uh, he knew that I was leaving. And I got a phone call and, and he said, hey, I'd like you to come out here and just visit with me for like a day or two. This was in um, 1995. And so I had a contract obligation with WGN at the time, who was carrying the Cub games, to stay at the station through the end of the year. And I was doing football, the NFL for Fox every weekend. And he said, well, where are you this weekend? I was going to Green Bay. Pass rush coming. And Rodgers, the perfect throw, and simply dropped by Martellus Bennett. It would have been a first down, and Rodgers is hurt. I think he's unhappy with that hit after he had released the football and still following through on the tackle was Anthony Barr. And he said, well, can you fly out on Monday? And I said, great. So I you know, flew out of Green Bay through Minneapolis, went to Phoenix, came out. The day I met him uh, is the day I went to work for him. Uh, that day, I remember calling my mom and I was single at the time, like 32 years old or something. And I, um, I, I called my mom on the phone and after I'd met with Jerry for, for like four hours one day, and then we broke it off for a little while because he had some other things to do and asked me to come back. Sons were playing that night. Uh, it was in November. And, and, and then he offers me a job and we're not playing for two years. And he says, I want you to be our director of broadcasting, put together the radio and TV networks, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I remember calling my mom and I'm like, I can't believe it. I, I, I said, you know, I, I'm moving to Arizona. And, and, and it was, I mean, what an incredible human being to work for. Um, I tell him all the time, he's the best boss I ever had. And, uh, and that's the truth. And it'd be hard to believe that if I get a chance to really go back and have a boss again one day in whatever walk of life that might be, uh, that there could be a better boss than Jerry Colangelo. What, what, what a, yeah, yeah, a mover and a shaker, no doubt about it, but a visionary and a guy who, who just wanted to win and a guy who, who also cared so much about people and the community and charity and his faith. And he was just a, he, he not was, he is. We just had a, um, the 20th reunion. He puts together uh, every five years a reunion of all the employees that worked for the Diamondbacks the year they won the World Series when I was announcing the games in 2001. And, um, and we just had the 20th reunion this past fall. And all the office employees can come, didn't matter what your job was. The players, the clubhouse guys, the broadcasters, the trainers, the staff. I mean, it, it, it's a phenomenal night. Um, and boy, what a great celebration that was last year. And everybody there knows the only reason that ever happened was because of Jerry Colangelo. With Fox, you did baseball, you did football. I'm just wondering which one you miss more, baseball or football? Football, by far. Why? Not even close. Really? You go back and you read about the way this young man grew up and try to put yourself in, in that position. And here he is, off to the races. He has one defender to beat. He's going to cut it back to the inside. Yes, he will, and that is a touchdown. I think there's an excitement about it 
um, George, where, you know, it's not every day. There's a beauty to every day. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, if I had a chance to go back and broadcast baseball again, I would love every single second of it. But the football, I, I you know, I, I don't know if it was, um, I was a football fan, but, I, you know, I, I really didn't know a lot about that sport. I, I knew a lot, or I thought I knew a lot about baseball and basketball for sure, because I played a lot of basketball and loved basketball. Uh, and announced a lot of basketball. But football, I got around a, a group of people right from the beginning. Anthony Munoz was my first partner. He was only there for a year. And then I worked with a, a, a succession of guys where it was, you know, Ron Pitts for a while. Uh, I'd go fill in for Joe Buck for three or four games every year and had a chance to work with Troy Aikman, uh, Daryl Johnston, uh, Brian Billick was my partner for a number of years. And, and then the guy that really, you know, that, that, that I don't know if I ever enjoyed broadcasting more in my life for any sport, the four or five years I was with Chris Spielman. I, that guy is just another amazing human being. Um, I look up to him so much like he's an older brother and he's only a year older than I am. Um, but I, I, I just, there was something about that whole football thing. Um, I don't know if it was um, the fact that if you work for a network, you know, you got one-on-one -on -one access. In a baseball, you can get that. But when you're in a locker room full of guys and there's people coming and going, there's lots of distractions. When, when we'd go in to do a, you know, back in the days of, of, of when, when Brett Favre was playing for Green Bay and, you know, he'd come into a room and, I mean, you know, and, and you're talking to this guy about whatever it might be. And then as the years went by, Tom Brady and, and some of these people, it was just – I just found them so interesting, not that the baseball players or the basketball players weren't, but this was such a violent game. Um, and these guys just get the shit beat out of them. Hmm. And, and, and I just, I, 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 I just marveled at it because I'd watched the game and the hits and the contact and the brutality and, and all of it. And these guys just came back for more and couldn't get enough. And, and I found something very exciting about all that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really, I really enjoyed the football a lot. Major League Baseball is underway and BetUS is your home for every game. Plus the NBA and NHL playoffs and the PGA Tour. Sign up now and first time bettors will get a 125% bonus with our promo code STORY22. That's STORY22. Future odds, live betting and great parlay plays also await you at BetUS. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. Go to BetUS.com and remember our code STORY22. Want to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know? It's easy. Just follow me on social media, at George Offman. That's O-F-M-A-N. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please follow or subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You came back to Cincinnati where you joined your dad in the broadcast booth. And I'm thinking you must have been in heaven or... Was it more trying being the son of a legend? Well, it was a little bit of both. Mm. Uh, it was exciting because I knew my dad was starting to get uh, towards the end. Not quite towards the end because, I mean, hell, he lasted another. Uh, he retired at the end of the 2019 season. So I was there with him for his last 13, 14 years. 
nothing weird about talking to your dad. I find it kind of weird talking to your dad on television. I don't know if you feel the same way. Happy Father's Day. Thank you very much. Thank you. You too. I mean, there are a lot of stories. There are the stories about I didn't want you going in the clubhouse when I was doing triple-A ball in Norfolk because Hank Bauer, his, his, his language was rather flowery, and I think that's when you were first objected to what a baseball clubhouse was all about. Yeah, and that came right back home by yes, the end of the day. Well, correct. happy Father's Day. Thank I you, pal. You. I love Absolutely. you, Absolutely. Have a great day today, and Thank happy Father's much. Day to all the dads out there. You betcha. Have a great one. Yeah, I mean, there is the uh, whole pressure of of – coming back to your hometown, a city that I've always loved. Um, loved living here, loved growing up here. The ownership group uh, at that time, I was very excited about and having a chance to, to come back and raise my kids in the Midwest. Not that you can't raise great kids or bad kids anywhere. You can. But I just thought that the Midwest was, was a little calmer, a little slower than maybe some of the stuff that was going on out in, in Arizona. And uh, with the growth and all that kind of thing. And it was a great opportunity. And, um, but coming back, um, you know, there were many, many nights, the first two, three, four years. My dad was, was at the end of a, his second marriage, which lasted 24 years. Uh, and he was at the end of his second marriage. And it, he was not a happy guy. And, and I remember many times coming back to my wife, Polly, and, and looking at her getting in bed at night after a game where he had just been a, you know, a royal pain in the tail. I was in a bad mood and all kinds of stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, what in the world have I done? And I remember saying that to my wife. I'm just like, you know, she's a born and raised Arizona girl, met her out there working for the Diamondbacks and all this kind of thing. And, and, but then after he got divorced and I'm not saying it was his ex-wife's fault. I'm not saying that at all. And both of them were to, to, you know, they both had their issues and whatever it might be, but, and none of that really at the end of the day is my business. But once, once, you know, he moved on from that. He became a very happy guy, fun to be around, the, the guy that I remember as a kid growing up. And, um, and so we, the last, I mean, the last uh, five, six, seven years were just absolutely fantastic. I mean, not every day is paradise when you're working with your dad. I mean, hell, not every day is paradise when you're working with a buddy. But um, it was so enjoyable and to be around when um, they changed the rules of the Reds Hall of Fame, where you didn't have to be a player uh, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. They changed the rules to put him in, which was just so exciting to be a part of all that um, and, you know, be there for his last game and the celebration on the field where they allowed fans to stay in the ballpark and they all came down to the field and um, it was, it was really, really cool. We had a great time and I see him all the time now. I mean, he, he still lives here in Cincinnati, travels a little bit, but he always makes it a point to come to every one of our son and daughters. Uh, when our daughter was still in high school and our son still is in high school, um, he comes to every single one of their sporting events or high school sporting events. And so I see him quite a bit. What was it like growing up with a legend? Well, you don't think of them that way when you're a kid. I, I think if you were to ask most, most and my dad, when I was growing up, George, was not a legend. Uh, he became a legend. But when, when we first moved to Cincinnati in 1974, um, that was the first year he got the job with the Reds. I mean, there were legends hanging around the Reds. You know, you had Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and Joe Morgan and Tony Perez, and, you know, Ken Griffey and, you know, on and on and on and on and on. George Foster. Um, and they won back-to-back -back World Series in 75 and 76. And my dad's only his second year, his third year as the announcer for the team. So by, really, by the time I graduated from high school, 
it was only about then, and you're talking about, what would that have been, uh, six, seven, eight, seven years, maybe five, six years, something like that, where, where he had still only been doing the games that long. And so by the time I now leave to go to college, his popularity is growing more and more and more and more, but I'm out of the house by then. So, yeah, I mean, were there things that we were able to do that most kids can only dream about? There's no doubt about that. And you thank God for it morning, noon and night. I mean, I used to go to in the Reds locker room um, and, and knew all those guys uh, that I just mentioned, Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and Joe Morgan knew all these guys. Um, you know, they knew my name. They knew who I was. Um, I did a bunch of different things with him through the years during spring training, used to hit tennis balls every day with George Foster. Um, you know, I, I did things that most kids can only dream about. It was an incredible blessing, you know, but again, there's a flip side to everything, you know, all the traveling and so forth. My folks end up splitting up. Um, and so, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. There's no doubt about that, but he was not a legend when I was growing up. Yeah. He was a team's announcer, but he had only been there, you know, one, two, three years, four years when I was even in high school. Vienna beef, two words synonymous with hot dogs. They're the home of the Chicago hot dog and an institution since 1893. If you've had a hot dog, chances are it was from Vienna. And did you know there are more locations selling Vienna in Chicago than McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's combined? There's nothing like biting into a juicy and delicious pure beef Vienna hot dog. Drag through the garden, which includes yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and some celery salt. And oh, those Polish sausages dripping with flavor. And look for the spicy smoked sausage available in your local retail stores. It includes a perfect blend of seasonings such as crushed red peppers and brown sugar, creating a bold and zesty taste. Vienna products are available in restaurants, grocery stores, and entertainment venues such as the ballparks, cups, and socks, stadiums, museums, and zoos. Plus, you can purchase them online, coast to coast at ViennaBeef.com and on Amazon. And remember, Vienna is not just hot dogs and sausages. Look for their farm makers' chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Check them out at ViennaBeef.com. So here we are in early May. Where do you think Tom Brenneman might be six months from now or even a year? Um, I have no idea. I really don't. Uh, you know, there, there were a couple of times I thought that, that, that maybe um, somebody out there was going to give me a chance to broadcast again. Uh, and then, you know, the same thing comes up again. Um, and you, you know what you find out, George, and, and it's even pointed out in that out sports article that we referred to earlier, where the guy who's considered to be the leading uh, voice of the LGBT community here in, in Cincinnati is a big executive with Johnson and Johnson, a guy named uh, Ryan Messer. He had written, and I had never met Ryan Messer at this point in time, like two days after I said what I said. Um, he wrote a letter to the editor in the Cincinnati Enquirer local paper that Tom Brenneman should not be fired. Uh, there is room for growth here in so many areas and a great opportunity for him, for the gay community, for the Reds, for our society. And, you know, I reached out to the guy and made contact with him. And he's the guy whose house we went to that I made reference to earlier and listening to a bunch of the stories with some other gay leaders. But anyway, I, I, I said, if you have people there, and I know you do, that are gay, that work there. I said, I would put up 
the amount of hours that I have spent in the gay community in some form or fashion over the last year against anybody you have that works in that office, it's gay. And I mean, you know, and, and, and it, it's almost like in, in some cases it just falls on deaf ears. And, but sooner or later, there's going to be somebody out there that says, wait a minute now. This guy worked hard for 32 years broadcasting, 34 years broadcasting Major League Baseball. He announced the NFL for 24 years, college football, basketball, whatever it might be. And, you know, by no means was, was I a, a good announcer, a great announcer, none of those things. I did the best that I could with God-given ability and tried to work hard at it. But I never was a pain in the tail to the people who employed me. And, and, and again, not that I was a perfect person by any stretch of the imagination, but you weren't waking up the next day reading about me doing something that's embarrassing the franchise. Now, what I did with the Reds in 2020 certainly did that. But you know, I like to think there's somebody out there, and there will be, and all it takes is one, is just to say, you know what? Okay, this was a mistake. Here's a documentation of what the guys tried to do since then. Um, we're going to take a chance, answer some tough questions, and, and, and take a chance and, and, and get them back in the booth. But you know what, George? If it doesn't happen, it's not going to be the end of my life. You know, I wish... You know, like I said to my kids, I, I wish there weren't people out there and they're going to be, and, and one of the hardest things to accept during all of this is I know I am not a homophobe. And I said that at the beginning of this show. But there are always going to be people after I go to my grave, there are always going to be people that think that I'm a homophobe. And that's the most troubling part about this whole thing to me because I know I'm not. I know I'm not and never have been. And never will be. Um, and so, but again, I, I, you know, I can pull my hair out trying to change all that and, and doing the best I can to change it. But for some people, it's never going to be good enough. So, you know, I hope in a year from now, hey, I just hope I'm around a year from now. I'm healthy. I'm happy. My family, more importantly, is healthy and happy. I'm still married to the same woman I've been married to for 21 years. Our kids are doing great. And they're off in college by then or son's still in high school, whatever, you know, and I, and I just hope that you know, the, the, the Russians aren't still killing people in Ukraine. And I mean, all that stuff sounds kind of crazy. But I mean, you know, there are a lot more important things than me getting back in the booth. I ask this final question to all my guests. If not for broadcasting, Tom, what would you have been? I think I'd have been a high school basketball coach. Hmm. I, 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 I coached both of my kids' teams, uh, daughters' teams, from the time they were in kindergarten all the way through the sixth grade till they started junior high school. Same with my son's teams. Um, I, I, and you know what, it's not too late to go do something like that. So you ask what I might be doing in a year from now. I don't know. Maybe that's something, if nothing happens in this, in this broadcasting job, um, I, I really like working with young broadcasters as well. Um, so, you know, um, if, if, if something like that were to present itself to go do it, I could see going to do something like that. Cause I like trying, I like being around young people. They keep you young, they keep you vibrant. They keep you thinking, they keep you moving. So, um, yeah, but I think a high school basketball coach. I think I speak on behalf of many of us in this broadcast community and likely the many fans that you have, that you belong back in this broadcast booth where we can all enjoy your entertaining description of games. Good luck. And thank you, Tom Brenneman, for telling me a story I don't know. Well, George, you've always been a good man. I've always enjoyed very much uh, our relationship and, and 
when I'd see you, you're always in a great mood and an upbeat person, a positive person to have been around. So I thank you as well. My thanks to WGN Radio, Virginia Santo and the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Reds Television Network, Anheuser-Busch Companies, and Fox Sports for those fabulous highlights. My thanks as always to TJ Reeves for being a guiding force behind this podcast, Will Hatzel for his expert editing and mixing, and Nick Tochi for our excellent graphics. And to our wonderful sponsors, Dynamic Manufacturing, Vienna Beef, and BetUS for their significant contributions. Tune in next week for another episode of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.